want to thank God for this beautiful day as I address the young people in the church, men and women of the vision, uh, the real vision, the actual agape that we need to practice. Until the real agape is practiced, we are not in agape. Until we begin to appreciate that we are in this world to be caused, to prevent offense caused to us and to maybe also cause offense to others, as long as we accept that dichotomy in life and we are ready to live with that dichotomy, we will struggle with agape. Let me say it again. As long as we appreciate that and understand that as long as we live, we are bound to be offended by some people and we are also bound to offend others. Yeah. That is the dichotomy of life. Some people may even feel offended by you even when you don't know you have offended them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the reality of life. Amen. Some may offend you without them realizing that they've offended you. Until you bring the matter to them, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this. That's a good thing. The person who loves God, when that matter is brought to them, they are the ones who is able to say, oh, I didn't realize I offended you. Please forgive me. That's life. But some people will say, I don't care. Some people even want to offend you even more. <laughs> so as I share with you, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just feel that I just say whatever, whatever God puts upon my heart. So may you live a life as hashtag the real agape, where you just tell yourself, I want to refuse to be offended by anything or anybody. I shall have shared about offense before. Uh, I shall share. That's not my message today. I don't know why the Lord just is making me to say that, but that's the way it is. Life is full of offenses. You just need to be, to be a Christian, a child of God, who lives the best way you can, try as best as you can to avoid offending others, but knowing that sometimes some of you might even be, some might even be offended by the way you look, by the way you dress, by the way you speak, you think you are speaking right. Some people are offended by the way you speak, you think you are speaking okay. Some people are offended by the way you dress, you think you are, people can take offense at any time. Understand and accept that that's the reality of life, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian. So as long as you are alive, you live a life of offense. People will offend you, and you offend others too. Amen. I only pray that you just, as a child of God, do your best to say to yourself, as a, as a life is a life of offense and being offended, I, want, I pray that let it be that the majority of myself, 99% of myself is the one maybe that is offended, but not the one that offends others. I know it's hard to receive offense. It's hard to be the one who is offended all the time. But that's the strong thing we need to do to have, strive to be not the one who offends others all the time, but be the one, yes, even if you are the one who is offended all the time, that's Christ. That, that is the life of Christ. That is the life of a child of God. Just take offense. That's why you say, you know, if they slap you on the face, give them the other cheek. Amen. In other words, they were saying, he was basically saying, when you receive offense, don't offend back. So I'm just saying this in passing, I'm going to share with you the word. But um, as I, I don't know where all that came from, what I've just said, but I'll just. Uh, so may God bless you as you. <laughs> what I'm going to say today, um, our God is a good God. I hope I've said something already that's useful. Um, 
even as I appreciate you all that are here today. Like I said, I thank God always, every day, for I keep saying it to people whenever I can, that um, it's easy, it's natural, it's normal to say hello to someone. It's easy, it's natural, it's normal to say uh, good, good night, but it takes grace to say good morning. Amen. <clears throat> These are the things that keep me excited in life every day. I wake up every morning, I look at the day, and I'm able to say thank you, Lord. Today is the 1st of October, is the 1st of a new month. I don't know if you woke up like me thanking God, but it gave me the grace to see another month called October. Some people never managed to see it. Some people lost their lives, if you want to put it that way, at five minutes to midnight. They never saw the month of October. So always, you have quite a good reason every day to worship God. You have quite a good reason every day to thank Him. No matter what the haters are out there will be saying or be doing about you, I want you to know that as long as you are a child of God and as long as you are in agape in particular, the haters will always be there. They will always say what they want. They will always do what they want. You cannot stop them. You just continue to enjoy your life and live your life and do your best, not be the one who is offending others, but you can receive offense and take offense. Our God is a good God. Um, I, I was learning something. God was just teaching me something today. Today, for the past few days, you know, it's pretty much like what he said to, um, to, to, to Solomon. He said, go and look at the ends. Go and learn from the ends. And I was like, I was just having a conversation with God about that situation. I was like, but God... I, I know I've thought about that message before, but I, it kept coming back to me. Why would you tell your king, your son, to go and learn from the ants? And then when I look around, particularly Africa, uh, you may not experience this, but we are, most of you are Africans, you grew up in Africa. One, I, I'm amazed, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed by the variety of ants that are out there. The variety of ants is just shocking, amazing. I'm just thinking about this. Some are so tiny, so tiny that you look at it, if you are not careful, you won't even see it, but they'll be walking on the floor. And you look at that little thing and you, you are you're like, I'm, I look at myself, I'm just telling what I do. I was looking at that and I'm like, I see different kinds of ants. Some are so small, some are really, different sizes, different shapes. And then, when I see it, no matter I see the smallest, the tiniest of them, I look at you walking around, moving around from one direction to another. It, is, it knows where it's going, it knows what it's trying to do. And then I'm looking at that thing and I'm like, this thing has got eyes, it has got legs, it has got a heart, it has got lungs, it has got all the things that God wanted it to have. It is living, it's a living being. God is amazing. I don't know even the size of the line of that thing. I don't know the size of the intestines of that thing, but it's so tiny, so small. It's smaller than a little the head of the pin. And then you know what? The one thing that then amazes me was you, 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 you know what I'm saying. You, you put something in your house, you put bread, or, or you because when you're in the house, you don't see the ants. Mm. You don't see them. Mm. You know, generally. But just put something. Put leave a little piece of meat on the table or something. You you within within a short time they have arrived. <laughs> you don't know where they arrive from. And then you find that the different sizes of ants they arrive for different things. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's just amazing. But then I then the thing that I, I don't know why I'm saying this again, but the thing that then you know I I have this kind of conversation with God. I was small simple little things, and I learned something from them. And then the Lord saying to me, never disrespect anyone when you look at the ants. Some are so small, some are so tiny, and those of you who know about uh, about elephants, it's so big. But the one thing that an elephant fears the most are ants. Yeah. And and can just walk up to the task of that thing because in this night the best way to kill an ant is to put to put uh, to put a, sorry, the best way to kill an elephant is to put the ant inside his, his nostril. Yeah. It gets so disturbed, it kills itself trying to get rid of them. <laughs> but the thing that I was very good at just saying to me, you see all these little things I've met. Never disrespect anyone. In life, so I'm just sharing with you before I go into the word for the never disrespect anyone. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just me. I'm, whatever God is saying to me at that point. If you talk to me, you just, I just release what is, what is in me. The Bible says, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he was saying to me that when you look at the ants, don't look, don't disrespect anyone. Don't disrespect the ants. Each one of them has got a and each one of them is a lie. Then God said to me, this is a very interesting thing. If you are not careful, disrespect others. God can flip things around. When things are not good for you, trust him. When things are good for you, trust him still. Because those who flip around, those who mess you about, they think they are God, they can say whatever they want. Don't worry about them, because the time will come. Because God can flip things around just like that. God can easily flip things around for you, or against you. Then he said to me, look at the ants again. I was like, ah. Then he said, look, the birds of the air, the reptiles, including snakes even. Many reptiles and many birds of the air. You know what they eat when they are alive? They eat the ants. It's their food when they are alive. But guess what happens when the same birds die, when the same reptiles die? They become food for the ants. One day a snake or a reptile is eating ants on the on the ant heap. Two days later something happens, it dies. The very same ants become its meat. They, they, they eat it, they eat the same thing. One day it was eating them, the next day it's dead, they are eating it. And when and you know what the ants do when they start when they find food. One finds food, they invite each other. Within a short while, the whole family is there, the whole clan is there. <laughs> And there, I can imagine when they are now eating, let's say it's a snack or whatever, which is now dead. They will be like, look, yesterday I saw you eating my uncle. Then the day before you ate my hands. Then after that you ate my father in law. Then the other day you ate my brother, my sister, my cousin. I saw you eating them and I managed to escape. But now we are eating you. So, never disrespect anyone. I don't know if I'm saying anything to anyone. Amen. It's just what God says to me, the kind of conversations I have with God, you know. <laughs> so don't worry if people are messing about. They may be the reptiles that are that are trying to eat you at some point. But your God can flip things around so easily that the reptile that is trying to eat you, it will be your turn next time. They will just collapse and die within a few minutes. God can turn things around. So don't, don't that's why he says, don't fight the battles yourself. I will fight for you. 
they can do their little tricks on social media, whatever they're doing against I know that every child of Akafe gets attacked of all kinds of sorts, uh, including yours, probably, obviously. But that's fine, you know. But just don't try to live a vengeful life. Don't be... Just trust God to, to, to take care of you. Because God shall flip things around for you. That's what I'm saying. The time will come when he shall flip things Don't worry. The time will come. The very same thing that was eating it, God can turn his round and you become the picture small and if you come back after after an hour or two hours you'll be amazed the little ants tiny as they are within a short while a big thing has been eaten they'll they'll finish it in no time this is life that god shows me he was speaking to me just a few days ago saying the same thing that you say to king Saul: go and learn from the ants then uh, two days ago, including this morning, the Lord was just looking, uh, uh, telling me again, you know, about things that I, I do daily. He says, look, I was just doing the dishes, just doing this and that. Then he says, look, you look at the food, you are eating food. You put food from the, from the pot, right? Or you cook, when you cook food, you cook it in a pot, okay? So after you finish cooking, you then, all the food that is in the pot is food good for eating. Good food. You look at it, you're like, yummy, yummy, I can't wait to eat that. I can't wait to get my hands in that food, right? When it's in the pot. So every ounce, every iota of the food that is in the pot is beautiful, good to eat, right? Yes. Then you then find that you take the food from the pot onto the plate, then you finish all the food from the plate, um, from the pot into the plate. So people can start eating the food. Maybe have three, four, five plates. Then within a few minutes, strictly speaking, the pot is empty. No more food. But you will find that there is always little bits of food that remain in the pot. Am I right? So it's, it doesn't choose the food that is, the little food that is made. There's always a little bit of soup. That stays in the soap. It, that stays t- sticks to the side of the pot or the corners of the pot or something like that and never goes into the plate. There's no difference between that which has remained in the pot and that which has gone into the plate. But immediately that has happened. Whatever has remained in the pot is now dead. The pot is now dead. And the food that is now on the plate is good food. The, remember, the plate was clean a moment ago. When you put food in it, you are all yummy, yummy, you are, you, you, your mouth watering, you can't wait to eat the food. Then you eat the food. You eat, uh, you finish the plate. There is, it always happens. I don't know about you when you eat, whether you lick everything and you finish everything. But what I know is that there's always some bits that remain on the plate or in the plate. And immediately, whatever remains in the plate, whatever has not gone into the mouth, automatically the plate is dirty. <laughs> when you eat food from the plate, whatever goes into your mouth is good food. Anything that remains in the plate, the plate is dirty now. One minute the pot and the plate are dirty, the next minute it is in the one, it is washed and it is clean. Then it gets dirty again. 
that is the life cycle and life cycle. And the Lord was saying, learn from this. So at the end of the day, I said, what do I say to what I'm saying to me? He said, no one, no human being is completely always clean or always dirty. Mm-hmm. It just depends what stage of day they found you in. It's the same thing. When you come to the house, they, they, when the dishes are clean, they are in the in, in, in the in the shelves and everything. They look nice and clean. But a few minutes later, after dinner, they, someone says the, the dishes are the very same dishes. They are now dirty. So someone can see them when they are still in the in the in the shelf. They look clean. So some people can see your life when you are like the plate that is still in the shelf. But five minutes later, you are being used. God is using you. You know, because when you are using the plate, it's being put to good use. But here, the funny thing, immediately after the plate has been put to good use, it was clean before, after it has been put to good use, the plate is now dead. The same plate. <laughs> With the same food that was deep, the food that was eaten by men is good. The food that remained in the pot is bad. It now makes the, the, the plate dead. And then you ask, if you were to ask, ask to talk to the food, it does not choose which one. It's you who is eating, who decides which one to eat, which goes into your mouth and what remains in the plate. Then the next thing, whatever remains in the plate you are putting in the bin is now dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's now rubbish. <laughs> so God was teaching me, and can you teach me? I, I'm learning a lot these days. This was written, everything has put and where I'm learning, I'm learning a lot about life. I'm learning a lot about a lot. Let me put it that way. Okay. God bless you guys. Um, let me just go into the word. Um, if I haven't already said something that is helpful to people, uh, may God help us as we all live in this life uh, where all kinds of people are alive, uh, living just like you, but you just have to learn to appreciate that it is a life where all kinds of people, including yourself, are there. We are children of God nonetheless. No matter how someone can label you, good or bad, whatever they think, whatever they want to say about you, you know that at one point you are a dish in the house of God, you are a flesh in the house of God, you are a pot in the house of God. If someone finds you at a time when, you, when you've just been used for food, then they call you a dirty person. The same way they say the dishes are dirty. But someone meets you five minutes later, the dishes have just been cleaned, they see you in the shelf, they're like, oh, this one is clean. <laughs> Amen. So whenever someone calls you bad or good, it just depends on what time of day they found you. You know, because they're human, everyone can make mistakes. Everyone. In the process of life, in the course of life, we are all utensils in the hands of God. We are being used by God for his own different purposes. But while we are being used, someone can then look at the plate and say it's dirty. But God will not look at it that way. It's kept basket for the servants of God. It's kept basket for the men of God, for the M or GD. If I can have a reader to read from the book of Acts chapter 9, verses 17 to 30, please. Um, which is based on the book of Acts, chapter 9. Uh, we started from verses 17 to 30, where we read about the story of the man of God, Paul, where we see how that in that chapter, 
God, the Almighty God, through his son, Yeshua, appeared to him while he was on a business to kill people. And then to show that God is the God of Agape is the God of Agape for real. I one of part of the message that I hope we understand from this is that indeed we serve an, a God who is a God of Agape. Confirmation in his servants and all the servants of God that he has used from Genesis to Revelation. All that you see when you study their relationship with God, you will see that it had nothing to do with their goodness. They were called by God. God used them in spite of their faults and their weaknesses. In other words, from Genesis to Revelation, we see the God of Agape. We see Agape in God when he picks ordinary people and through him he achieves extraordinary results. That's all that matters. That when he picks you as an ordinary person, you are human. He knows you are human. You know, and he wants you to be human so that when things happen through you, you don't give the glory to yourself. You give glory to the, to God. Hallelujah. So through and through, we see evidence of his unconditional love, even to the extent of him, so only for saving the children of Israel after he used Moses to cross over the Red Sea and all the time they spent uh, in the desert. Just the moment when they are about to enter Jericho, to enter Jerusalem itself, they had to go through Jericho. Jericho was a big city, the first one they had to take over. And what did they do? God used someone who was despised by society, someone who was despised by people, who was regarded as a harlot or a prostitute. God used that one as a key. <laughs> he gave that person the key for the children of Israel to enter the promised land. Rahab, whom we know. And through that, God saved her. That shows you his unconditional love from day one. Hallelujah. So if people had approached Rahab and say, you can't be, you can't, how can you allow God to use you like this, like this, like that? People could comment whatever they, they wanted to say about her. But God picked her. She's the one out of the good people that were there, good in courts, you know, because no one is good. <laughs> even Jesus Christ himself, when someone else, he even tried to say, don't call me good, because he was speaking as son of man. When someone said, oh, you're good, you're good, he says, don't, no one, don't call me good. Because saying no one is good, he was responding not as son of God or Jesus Christ, Yeshua, because Yeshua, as he came, he put on this form. He put on all these robes. He was the son of man. He was son of God. He was son of David. <laughs> and he still always is, all those titles. So when he answered that question, when someone said, you are a good master, he said, no, don't call me good. He was responding in his humanity as the son of man. To say, no, no human being is good. <laughs> so God uses ordinary people, and through them he shows his unconditional love, so that when God uses them, you see eventually through Rahab, the whole nation of Israel, the whole nation of Israel, the people, after many years, what they were fighting for became real, or became possible through someone who was regarded by society as a reject, as a prostitute. Hallelujah. God loved that one and gave her the keys for the children of Israel to enter the promised land. And through that love, he then he made sure that her whole family was saved. Her whole family, not just her, but her whole family. And you know the whole story, that's where we get, we, we end up, she became the great-grandmother of Ruth, as you know, and you know who Ruth became. Ruth became, you know, married to Boaz, and, you know, the rest is history. And through there, we have David. It became... It's all. You see from there, through and through, nothing else but the unconditional love of God. These people that God had called, they had not done anything special to deserve, to deserve their, the call of God upon their lives. So you could call Rahab a woman of God. <laughs> she was a woman of God. God used her 
for that purpose. But the world would, would want to call it something different. But it doesn't matter what the world calls you. What matters is what God calls you. Amen. Because he's the one that's calling. So we see the same thing going through. We carry on uh, with this message. Basket for the servants of God is kept basket for the men of God. So in Acts chapter 9, he then picks a man who was busy doing the wrong things. You would have expected at human level that no one would ever have picked a person like that to become a servant of God. But then that's what God does in his unconditional love. He picks him, and then we see the story that Ananias then helped him to, to own God, to become the apostle of Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, to the church of God, to uh, um, um, the, 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 the Galatians and uh, other people that were at that time referred to, to um, as the Gentiles. So we read that scripture. After that, we ask the questions. We say, okay, while Paul talks about the reason the people who helped him and everything, and that testimony he never forgot it. And then we see that as no matter which way he went to preach, everywhere he was preaching, the people who were against him, the haters, as I call them in group, they were also Jews. In other words, the people that fight you, they are also calling themselves Christians. They also go to, right now, they are also in their churches, whatever church they go to. But at the end of the day, after their services, or even while they are in the middle of their services, they will be busy texting each other, gossiping about someone else while they are in the church. And they think they claim to be better than, than the, the people they are talking about. <laughs> Isn't that a contradiction? <laughs> but they don't see it that way. You see? So we then ask the questions, did the haters know about false false that he kept talking about? Because he was encountering this problem wherever he went. And he answered, we found that, yes, the haters knew about his faults. They did very well. That's why they tried to discourage the saints by pointing to his faults that were well known. Uh, his human faults that were well known and his human weaknesses. They, they discouraged the people from coming to church because of that. But we thank God. The church was adapted enough to continue to love their apostle. Hallelujah. Amen. Then we asked the question, did God know of false faults and weaknesses? We answered, we found that, yes, he did. And we looked at Second Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. Among There are so many other scriptures where you can confirm that God, through his conversations with his servant, he, he knew that he said that he had his human witnesses. And he, as he appointed Second Corinthians 12, he, three times he refused to take them off from the men of God. He said, my grace is sufficient. My, my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I want you to read that verse again when you have time. It's important. It's, it says a lot. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So that at the end of the day, your weakness, when God uses you in your weakness, you will not boast except to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Then you ask the third question. Did Paul himself know of his faults and weaknesses? And we found that, of course, he did. And we looked at the various scriptures. We looked at Second Corinthians 11, from verse 22 to 29. Uh, we looked at Romans 7, verse 15 to 25. Uh, we saw his conflicted life throughout, from the time he became an apostle to the time he died, ladies and gentlemen. Paul had this conflicted life, where he would say openly to people, yes, what I, what I like to do, I don't do. The good things that I want to do, I don't do. The bad things that I don't like to do, I find myself doing. Mm -hmm. And if you read First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse in last time, which you didn't read last night, he he, he talks of dying in the sense. He says, because of this, I die daily. 
I die daily in First Corinthians 15, verse 31. We're not going to read it. But that's what he was talking about. He was saying, as I work out my salvation, even with so many other things that are exposed with me, I have to die every day. I wake up, I'm, I wake up to sin, I have to die to sin that day so that I can survive the day. You know, and that's why someone sings, One day at a time, sweet Jesus, tomorrow may never be my. Just give me the strength to do every day. To worship you every day, one day at a time. We see his contributed life when he even addresses his own son. First Timothy chapter one verse fifteen we read last night when Paul had to address his son, and I explained to you why he had to do that because people were addressing his son, people were going to his favorite son Timothy to try and push him away from his father. They do that one day. They would do that. They were pointing at his faults, thinking that would work. Why not just stand up and at Timothy? But thank God, Paul then said to Timothy, no, don't worry about what, what they are saying, that they are calling me a sinner. I want you to talk, I want, get it from me. Never mind from them, get it from me. Okay? I am not just a sinner, but I'm the chief of the sinners. But Christ, the key answer is, Christ came. He said, this is the truth we must know. Christ came to save sinners. Okay? This is what those people will need to know. If they are calling you a sinner, you tell them that's the reason why Christ came in the first place. He didn't come to save the, those who are righteous because they are none of them. And like I've said so many times before, the church is not a museum for saints. It, <laughs> hallelujah. It's not a museum for saints. It's a, a hospital for sinners. Christ came. He died on the cross, shed his blood and water for exactly that reason. Hallelujah. And you are being judged by sinners, like God said to me. Sinners are busy judging other sinners. They think they have the right to speak against you. So when you know these scriptures, let it encourage you to stand in the Lord, no matter what the enemy may say. We answer that question. Did Paul know of his own faults? Did Paul know of his own weaknesses? We found that. So he, he even as he tried to persuade God, Hallelujah. But God answered and refused. He said, if I do that, then you you cease to be human. If I remove your weaknesses, you will not give glory to me. You will begin to think you are God. And people will begin to take you as God. This is exactly what is going to happen. So God then says to him, by saying my grace is sufficient for you, I'm saying I shall use you in your humanity. That's what God has always done. For your information, that is consistent with the biblical precedent. Somebody shout hallelujah. Otherwise, God would not be God. God is God on the throne. He is the only one who is the Holy One of Israel. That's how the Bible describes it. He is the Holy One of Israel and nobody else. That's why He is the only one who is worthy of our worship. But when people talk about you and other people, they talk as if they are themselves God or part of the Godhead or a member of the Trinity even. Yet God Himself never looks at them in that way. So I say that please, do not be discouraged when people say what they say. So we know we now want we've answered those three questions. Did uh did the haters know his faults? Yes, they did. Did God know his faults? Yes, he did. Did the poor himself know his own few faults and weakness? Yes, he did. Let's go to the fourth question we are going to answer to this afternoon. And then we can we finish the, the, the message. Did, did the saints, the church of God, did they know of Paul's faults and weaknesses? Because 
scripture tells me tells us according from the when you read second corinthians 12 a lot of scholars have tried to speculate about what god what paul described as his own uh the thorn in his flesh but they ignore that the rest of the other scriptures are shared with you that he talks so much about not just the thorn in his flesh but his own physical infirmities which he calls infirmities and he calls it the thing that his members refer to his flesh they 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 are always at war with the spirit that was his life his conflicted life but what i wanted to know is that not only did the haters and god and paul himself know of his faults the good thing is you need to now understand why you call yourself and why you should be hashtag the real agape learning from the church that paul was leading learning from the gentiles that god a god put in his hands because they love their men of god no matter what the world was saying, even though, even though for sure, not even though, the reality for sure is they also themselves were aware of what the enemy was saying. They were aware of his faults. Let us read Galatians chapter 12, please, from verse 2. Oh, sorry, Galatians chapter 4, um, verse 12 to 16, reader. So we are asking this, the fourth question, did the saints or the church know of Paul's faults and weaknesses? Because it all comes back from the first question I asked in the beginning. That when the church, when the saints did what they did in Acts chapter 9, when they took Paul and prepared a basket of escape for him, did they do it because they knew that he was a holy man? Did they do it because they were doing it for a righteous man? And we find that the answer is no. They did it because they had agape love for their spiritual father, for their apostle in spite of the fact that they knew of his faults. Let us read Galatians chapter 4, verse 12 to 16, please. Galatians chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. Brethren, I beseech thee, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I gospel unto you at the first and my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, but rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the, the blessedness he spake of? For I bear you record that if I had been if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. There you go. Did the church, the saints, know of Paul's faults? You see, like I said, the enemy, the haters, were on the blogs, on the first, on the Facebook, on Twitter, everywhere, the social media of the time, if there was any. They were releasing, they were talking bad, mad, bad and mad. They were talking mad and bad about the man of God. They were releasing story after story after story of the things that he was talking about. The very same thing he was saying, okay, if you want me to talk about this, I'll talk. So he was forced, when he went to Rome, you talk about it, they would, they would face him. When he went to college, you see the scriptures we've read. They, now he's in the Russia. <laughs> so you find that his letters followed him with the same stories. They wanted to, no matter where he went, they, they were sending messages to the church to tell them that this so-called man of God of yours is not a real man of God. Whatever language they were using. So wherever he went, he refers them. So now he's addressing the Galatians to show you that, yes, 
So where is then he says now, okay, this is the love of God, the agape love that he had for me. So where is then the blood, the blessedness you speak of? In other words, what is why are you allowing the enemy to steal of your testimonies? The blessedness you were speaking of, you were talking of all the testimonies that happened. This is what you ask them. All those people, when God is using a man of God, everyone, even the ones who went, one by one, they cannot deny. They all have testimonies. What God, the God of Agape did through me as the, as the servant of God. So you are saying, where is the blessedness you speak of? In other words, what happened to the testimonies? The testimonies you have. You are worried about what the enemy is saying. You are worried about what the people are saying. But you yourself know of those things. You had your testimonies. Then he says, for I bear you record, he goes even deeper. That if it had been possible, you would have plugged out your own eyes and he'd be given them to me. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the depth of the agape love the church had for their fans. Somebody shout hallelujah. Such love. Such unconditional love, ladies and gentlemen that the church had for their spiritual father, in spite of the fact that the scripture proves that they were aware of his faults. But they still received him as an angel of God. They still even received him as if he was Jesus Christ himself. And he's saying that at some point they would get even wanted, they, they, their love was so deep that they, could, they were prepared to take out their eyes for him. My goodness. Such love. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the height of unconditional love. So, you see how truly Agape the saints were in Paul's church. They knew of his faults. To this day, we don't, but they knew. To this day, theologians have come up with all kinds of theories, but they don't have the answer. They should have just gone. I wonder why they want to research what kind of research they were doing. They should have just gone and asked the saints, but I guess the saints were not prepared to talk about it. That's why they are still uh, speculating. Theologians have come up with all kinds of speculative suggestions, but only assumptions and speculations. They are not revelation. I've told you before, assumptions are not revelation. Suspicion is not revelation. They were just doing that. But in spite of, or despite of false faults, the church or the saints loved him so much that they would have gone out of their way, literally, to show, to prove, or demonstrate their love for their father. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. That's what they would have done. I will say it again. In spite of, or despite of false faults, the church or the saints loved him so much that they would have gone out of their way to show, number one, to prove, number two, to demonstrate their love for their father. They were not moved by the comments of the haters. They were not moved by, even by the knowledge of his, his, his weakness that they have. They were not moved by that. They were moved by the fact that God is the one who appeared to him on the way to Damascus. They were moved by that. That's what was more important to them. But the enemy was more important in the, in, in showing or talking or showcasing false faults. But he was saying, look, yes, I am I admit, I have got those faults. The good that I want to do, I don't do. The best that I don't like to do, I end up doing. But this is exactly why Christ died. To save sinners like me, to save sinners, and I'm the biggest of them. That's why God loved this guy. Hallelujah. That's why God loved him. So, in spite of all this, the church showed, demonstrated their agape love for their father. What about you? Can you not do the same for your steward? And you don't do the same for your attaché, for your senior envoy, for your envoy, for your evangelist, for your commissioner, for your board member. 
that you would not be bothered about what the people out there say about the people that are in leadership or the people that are serving you in your church. Because at the end of the day, the very same people who are talking about your leaders, they are also themselves in deep trouble. They are seen as just as, as bad as the person they talk about. It's not even worse. So the saints and the believers, they were on God's side. Like I said, despite false, non false, and weaknesses, they loved their men of God the same way their God loved their men of God. Did you hear me? Mm. Let me say it again. <laughs> I just like what I just said. I hope it's nice. I, I feel it's good. You know, the believers or the saints were on God's side. I believe that. It, God was not on their side, but they were on God's side. I've told you about that. So despite false, non false, and weaknesses, they loved their men of God the same way their God loved their men of God. This is amazing. That's the unconditional love. That's hashtag the real agape. We've been calling ourselves hashtag the real agape so much, but God is giving me all this revelation to share with you so that you can understand what it really means when you say hashtag the real agape. You see the reality of the agape when you look at the relationship between God and Paul. But you see the opposite when you see when you look at the relationship between Paul and the people who were the, who who, who proclaim every day. They had a different agenda. So, but you see, this dichotomy is in the life of Agape. No matter who is in Agape, that dichotomy follows them everywhere. That shows you that there's something unique about this vision. So, while they love their men of God the same way they God, their God love their men of God, that's why it is true to say. Those who support the man of God are supported by his God. Mm. I'll say it again. When you understand this, according to this relationship here, you realize that it's true for sure when you say those who support the man of God are supported by his God. It's also true to say those who love the man of God are loved by his God. It's as simple as that. You then find the same person who is now telling us that his followers knew of his infirmities, that in spite of the fact that they knew of his infirmities, they received him as an angel of God. They received him even as, as Christ himself. They were prepared to take out their own eyes because of their agape love for him. In spite of the force that they were aware of, yet the very same person goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, be ye followers of me as I am a follower of God. Follow me as I follow Christ. People would be like, ah, why? Why would you follow a guy like that? He's got so many followers that we know. That was not the important thing. The important thing is the call of God upon his life. He was qualified to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because he was really following Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, we are all sinners. I want you to say this. We are all sinners saved by his grace. We just sin differently. That's all. Whether people want to accept this or not, then that's the reality. Yes, Apostle Shokondishi, I preach the truth of the word of God. People, that's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fortune of the glory of God. Let that be the truth of Scripture. We are all sinners saved by his grace. We just sin differently. Some more openly than others. That's why our Lord and our Savior and our Comptor Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus Christ himself, he commands us in one of the most underrated scriptures. A commandment actually that he gave us in Matthew. He says, judge not. Simple. Simple commandment. That's it. And he says that commandment for a simple reason. This God, this he does, he judge him all. They were disjudging everywhere he went. That's why he was concerned with this issue all the time. They were judging the men of God who had been picked by God. Hallelujah. 
So we go back to our main uh, scripture of the basket. You still have that, I'm sure you've been reading it and reading it. Uh, in Acts 9, verse 17, we want, to, we want to finish off now. You find it's the very same chapter, like I said, where God openly, not privately, openly, openly picked up his servant and, and called him in a very special way. And you know, Paul, continuously, if you read the, all, the, all the epistles that he wrote, the, first, the very first verse, he would always boast in a beautiful way of his relationship with the one who called him. He would always call himself, I, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. While the haters would get angry with that statement, they would say, no, he calling himself apostle of Jesus Christ, like this, like this, like that. He goes on to write the book of Galatians, he says the same thing. The one I Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ. He goes to Romans, I Paul, apostle of God. You need to know who you are in Christ, baby. So when you go back to Acts chapter 9, this is where, where we started and we want to finish where we started. Hallelujah. We read the story. But when God openly picked and called, and he called servant Paul and anointed him openly. We see the haters and the people contradicting that very calling and disputing and wanting to ask, to inflict their own human destiny on him in the very same chapter. My goodness. It didn't even take them long. This is the chapter 9. Halfway, after his calling, immediately they are him to kill him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you should never. They can condemn him, they could condemn him and say whatever they want to say. That's why I've been teaching you, ladies and gentlemen, that you should never condemn what or who God has condoned. Mm. Never condemn who God has blessed. Mm. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, you are not God. Peter did the same thing. This idea, when I share the message of stereotypes, is one of the rest I could give you now. People are so stereotyped to this day that they have their own thinking about who a man of God is and who God is. Yet they, their thinking is very wrong. I told you, I don't know, I remember sharing about uh, when we were coming to a particular conference. After a conference, I had appointed some people, as you, I used to do, at the family conference, at the pastor of the conference especially, I would appoint leaders. I remember one, someone called me very angrily, uh, angry that I had appointed someone in Envoy. They were like, JD, how can you appoint that person? Wah, wah, wah. Hey, hey, you don't know, I'm Muslim, yeah, yeah. you don't know that person, blah, 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 blah. I listened to the person I was talking. Then when, when, when he or she, I wonder, I don't want to tell you whether it was he or she, but, but when he or she finished, I then said, my son or daughter, don't worry, I've heard what you're saying. I've heard what you're saying. We have another conference which is coming in the next month. You know, we had so many conferences another. He or she didn't know what I was going to say. I said, don't worry, I've heard what you're saying. When that conference comes, because I can't, I've already done it, I've already appointed that person. I can't unappoint that person privately. So I have to do it openly. So the person was like, yes, yes, okay, okay. Then I said, but what I will then do at the same time is to openly appoint you in his or her place. Then the person was like, no, 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 not me. I, I, I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for that. I'm not saying you should appoint me. I said, no, 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 no. I am going to pull this one out. I'm going to take this one out, and I'm going to appoint you in. 
He said, oh my God, did I get a big protest? Then I was like, why are you saying no? Ah, no, people know me. And then, and then the, the person forgot that you were, you were, she was talking about another person. They would not accept me. Uh, you, 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 you know, and I said, I'm like, so you, you, you. <laughs> look at the con- contradiction between people. So I was like, you are telling me you don't want me to appoint you because of your faults, but you are telling me the faults of another person. What do you think you are doing? That's when the person learned, says, now I understand, I'm sorry. People are so conflicted in their belief. They, 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 the level of a stereotypical thinking is so big, and the God is helping me through this vision to, to teach the church. That even Paul himself was stereotyped in his thinking. He was like, I can't be a man of God and be this foolish and have all these mistakes. That's why he asked God to get the home. And God said, no, I'm sorry, if you look at scripture, I've never, I've never picked a man, of, a man who was holy. I've always picked ordinary people with ordinary thoughts, and I've used them to my glory. But in the process, as I work with them, I polish them. That's the good thing about God. As he works with you, he polishes you. You become better and better and better day by day. That's working out your salvation with the fear and trembling. You become a better version of yourself as time goes. Learn this lesson. If it doesn't make sense to you, even if it doesn't make sense to you, leave it. Leave that to God. You are not God. Peter did this whole thing. When he turned down the higher calling of God because of his stereotypical thinking, his stereotypical mind and religious background, imagine what God called clean, Peter called unclean. Can you read very quickly Acts chapter 10? Uh, for the sake of time, let's just read verse 18 to 15. I will get it from verse 1 to 20, but you don't have the time. Just read Acts chapter 10, verse 18 to 15. Acts chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, thou call not thy common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to mark verse 15. I shall preach again about that. But you see, that's a very serious statement God sent to the church. Very, very serious message dealing with people who are stereotyped. In verse 15, he says, the, the Bible says, the voice spoke unto him the second time. Hallelujah. Amen. It was God into Peter. Not an angel, not another person, not something else, not somebody else. Hallelujah. What God said to him in verse 15? He says, what God has called or has planned, thou call not common. I want you to think deep about that verse. What God has cleansed, that called not thou common. In other words, confirming what I've been saying so far, we have no right to condemn what God has condoned. We have no right to condemn who God has blessed. You put yourself in the line of danger, according to scripture. If you know biblical precedent, anyone who tries to oppose whoever God has picked, because they have their own reason of who they think should have been picked, 
they are fighting God himself. And I can tell you, a day will come when things will flip. I told you yesterday, when I get, God was talking to me about the ends, that things can flip very easily. The very same creatures and creepy crawlies that eat ends, when they die, the ends eat them. <laughs> so we need to be very careful when we listen to scripture. So they were saying all kinds of things about the men of God. So going back to that scripture, our text in the chapter before, um, chapter nine, we where we where we started. Let's finish there now. That if you all can all go there, I want to finish. Going back to our own main scripture, Acts chapter nine, verse seven. We're not going to read again the whole chapter, but I want you to concentrate on the one that I, the verse that I ask you to 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 mark. Hallelujah! If you remember the one that I ask you to mark. Um, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, I, I'm, I'm so amazed by these people, what they did. Because verse 23 says, after that many days we afflicted, when we were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him within a short while. But their laying in wait was known of soul, and they watched the gates day and night. You know, imagine, day and night they were watching the gate to see if he's going to escape. That's why they, I, 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 my goodness, that's why the children of God, the agape the church, crafted a plan because they were aware that they hate us. You see, they, they they can hate a man of God so much that he cannot escape. No matter which way they go, they know that they've got him wired everywhere they want, you may want. So they had they had, they had watched the gates day and night. Day and night. You know those days each city was a world city, a huge walls. So huge and so tall that no ordinary human being could apply. It was not possible. So they knew that what they were doing, they had the men cornered. They were going to get their men and kill him. But look at the agape church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I get excited when I think about what they do, what they did. Then in verse 25, the main verse, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. If you read the scripture, it tells you that this what happened after for a long time. In other words, the man of God was in Damascus for a while. So what was happening in the meantime? While the the haters were plotting to kill their father, the the church was busy making a basket. <laughs> they were busy making a basket of escape for their man of God. While the haters, my God, my God, my God, today I'm addressing the basket saints of God. Today I'm addressing the adapted church of God. Today I'm addressing the people who call themselves after the real adapted. While the haters plot and plan to kill the men of God, while the enemy rages in anger, envy, and hatred, the adapted saints were busy making a basket of escape for their much beloved men of God and the spiritual father. Hallelujah. Somebody out, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is what an church should do. Saints of God. Don't care what the world says about your attachment. This is what I'm saying now as we conclude. You don't need to worry because they will continue to speak about your envoy. They will continue to speak about your senior envoy. They will continue to say what they want about their about your member, the board members, about your commissioner, about your high commissioner. They will never stop. Whether what they hear, what you hear or not is true, is for you, let that be irrelevant. Because this is what we learn from the church here. That in spite of the fact that they knew Galatians were told us, 
that in fact of the fact that they knew about his fault. They knew what the enemy was saying was true, but they didn't care. They even still received the amen of God as an angel, and above all, even as Christ himself. Imagine if he was a holy man. But he, despite the fact that they knew, they still received the amen of God as the amen of God. Nothing, nothing would push them away from their spirit of family. So I'm saying to you, let's apply this to all of us here. We are all saints of God. We are all servants of God. Used by God in different ways in the house of God. You don't need to worry about what the world will say about your attachment, your steward, your envoy, your senior envoy, your evangelist, your board members, your commissioner. No matter who, ignore ignore them. Ignore their faults and just make a escape basket for them every day. Hallelujah. When the enemy is saying whatever they're saying, when they are raging about your steward, your attacker, or anyone else in your church, instead of you contributing to that attack, just be busy, be busy, ladies and gentlemen, making an escape basket for your steward, making an escape basket for your attacker, making an escape basket for your commissioner, for your envoy, for your senior envoy, for your evangelist, for the board member. That's what we should do. This is the message that God sent me to share with the church as the lads and the ladies meet, what the people did in Corinth, what the people did in Damascus, that so much they had this unconditional love for their father, that while the enemy was busy trying to kill their father, they were busy making a basket of escape for him. While you do that, be busy making a basket of escape for the steward, for the envoy, for everyone who is the church. Because at the end of the day, we are all used by God in our different ways. So all we need to do is to be there for each other. Do that for the steward, everybody in the church. Do the same for the man of God in your life. Make an escape basket for him daily. Your thoughts, your prayers, your support. Make baskets every day. Make baskets for each other. Every day, let us be a church that loves each other so much that we are busy making an escape basket for each other. When the haters and other people talk bad about your attachment, your steward, your evangelist, your body, the whole lot, and your commissioner and your high commissioner, when they speak and say whatever they say, tell them these three things. Number one, God ever told me that he or she was an angel. Number two, you tell them that that person, my steward, my attache, whatever, all the way up to myself, your truth. He or she never told me that he or she was an angel. Mm. Then number three, you then say, in fact, I do not know myself. I do not know that he or she is an angel. I know he's a human being. He or she is just as human as I am. The only thing that matters to me is that that person received the grace from God to be my leader. That is an answer you give, and it will protect a lot of people from being worried about the church. It will protect you from all oh, this when you try to answer them. If you try to, to answer social media, social media, you, you you find people who move away from scripture and you use social issues to, to resolve. So what I'm saying is, when you this teaching, we are learning, learn from Paul, learn from the church in Paul's time. They were not bothered because if you respond. With the social world, it will move you away. It will move you away from scripture. But here now, we are governed. We are now guided by scripture. Your response is not a, an emotional response. That's the problem with the church. Whenever things happen, many people respond emotionally because the enemy takes advantage of that. 
So be guided by scripture from today. Never make an emotional response. Respond according to the way the church during all time were responding. They were not moved by emotion. They were not moved by society, what the society is saying. Because in this day and age, that's what it rules, what society is saying. But Christians then forget what the scripture says. So I'm saying, as a guy, don't be discouraged because there's a lot of stewards who were discouraged because of people's comments. There were a lot of attachments who were discouraged because of people's comments. Going through the whole leadership gamut, there's not a single one who is spared. But then when you learn this, you now realize there was no need. Let us all learn from the church during the time of Paul. And they would say, the only thing that I know is that the person that is my leader in the church received sufficient grace from God to be my leader. His grace is sufficient. As his grace is sufficient for my attache, my steward, my envoy, my whoever, his grace is also sufficient for me. That is the spiritual answer. It's a biblical answer. It's according to scripture, not just answer according to your emotional thinking. Let the God of Agape ask you that you are guided. So do and say the same for your men of God. And you shall live. Do and say the same for your steward, for your attaché, for everyone in the church. Let us learn from this. Let us all enter. I'm inviting you, ladies and gentlemen, from today, as individuals, as a church. I'm inviting you into the ministry, into the basket ministry. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging and inviting everyone to come into the basket ministry of the vision. Today we are creating a new ministry for this vision. It's called Agape for All Nations Ministries International. I mean, it's already part, it's a ministry which is already existing, but I'm just giving the special No, We have got the EKs, people who pray. We pray a lot, we pray a lot. But we need, I'm encouraging you from today that what you can do is make, begin to make baskets of escape for your steward. Hallelujah, church. Begin to make escape baskets for your leader, for your envoy, for your commissioner. Hallelujah. Begin to make baskets of escape for your board member. There are so many people that are busy attacking the leaders of the church there, trying to push them away from the church. And some of us will even contribute by laughing or making comments and singing and saying they deserve this, they deserve that. No. Let this message help us from today to understand that the God of Agape wants us to be as Agape as this church was, as Agape as the church was in the time of Paul. Hallelujah, somebody. I want to ask you to rise up to your feet. I want you to begin to think of whoever you have in the church. Let us agape one another, ladies and gentlemen, to the extent that from today, instead of entertaining what the world is out there saying, let us be a basket-making ministry, a basket-making church, making baskets for each other every day, basket of escape, because the enemy every day is trying to attack, to kill. The scripture saying they were, they, they, the protests wanted to kill Paul. They want to kill you in many different ways. They want to kill your steward in many different ways, spiritually, even physically in some cases. They want you dead. They want you to get spiritual. They want you to leave the vision. They want you to leave the church. That's what they want. And when you do, they will rejoice. They will celebrate. I pray that no one will give them reason to celebrate like that. Let's never give the enemy reason to celebrate, to say, we managed to get this one out of the church. We managed to get this one. We managed to get this one. Because they'll keep on trying, and they'll keep on trying. They will never stop they will never stop. They will continue to, to push you and push you until you are done. But let us rise up to our feet right now. I'm releasing this statement and teaching that let us be an agape church, agape enough, ladies and gentlemen, to make escape baskets for each other. I want you to rise up. <coughs> 
to your feet right now and begin to think of your sister. Begin to think of your brother. Let us be like this agape church. They make baskets of escape for each other. They made an escape basket for their men of God, their father. You don't just do this for me, but let us learn to be a church that does this for each other. This message is for all of us. It's not just for me. It's for everyone in the church. We are saying day by day, when you hear the enemy saying whatever they say about whoever is in agape, let us not in any way contribute. Let us just be encouraged by this scripture because the man of God was dealing with them. Don't run away from them. Don't try to say, oh, our man of God, or our attached, or our commissioner, the holy man, you can't say like that. No, just say, look, this we know our attached, our our commissioner, our envoy, whoever, they are just as human as you are. The only difference is that God has the grace to pick them, to appoint them, to be my, my apostle, my commissioner, my senior envoy, my evangelist, my board member, my attache, my steward. Let us stand up and begin to fight for each other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray, 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 pray. Use prayer. Hallelujah. It's baskets. Basket of prayer. Be, be praying for the other person, supporting each other physically, visiting each other if we have to. This is making a basket of escape to make sure that no one gets stolen by the enemy. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Let us stand up right now. I'm asking you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you, my beloved children, because this is the message of the day, that let us be a church that makes baskets of escape for each other, just like we see in the time of Paul. The whole church, the Gentile church, they knew how to agape each other. They knew how to, 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 to help each other to escape. They knew how to, how to help their men of God to escape. When the enemy out there was always trying to plot to kill their father, but they had a way out for their father. Why don't we do the same thing? Every day, instead of contributing to the haters, the judgments and comments and whatever, let us rise up and begin to make, to make baskets for each other. Let us begin to pray. I ask you to rise up right now to conclude the message of this time. Let us be a church, a people, the lads who will be praying for the lads, the ladies who will be praying for the ladies, standing up for each other, hallelujah, in agape. That's hashtag the real agape. We need to pray. Someone rise up, pray for, for, for our envoy calling. Make a basket of his for him, because the enemy will be trying very hard to try and kill him spiritually. You don't know. Some of you may not know. You know, the, the enemy is trying very hard every day to kill the commissioner spiritual. Some of you may know. Some of you may not know. The enemy will be trying very hard every day to kill all the board members. Every day he's making every effort. And you know this, some of you. The enemy is trying very hard every day to kill spiritually the attaches, the stewards, the senior envoy. Every day. They may not tell you these things, but as I speak to you right now, everyone who is hearing me is confirming. He's like, it is true. Right now, the message they receive every day on the phone, day by day, the enemy never stops trying to speak to spiritually kill them, trying to spiritually move them out of the vision. The enemy is doing that every day. Why don't we rise up, church? And today we say to together we stand as one. Together we stand as hashtag the real agape. And no one, 
no one. We are going to Makata. Let us stand for each other, ladies and gentlemen. Begin to make baskets of escape. Let us begin to make a basket of escape for each other. Hallelujah. So that the enemy, whoever the enemy was targeting, let them lose from today. Let the God of Agape, even for those who had left uh, many months ago, many years ago, whatever it is, even as what happened, according to this message, you now see that if maybe if I had shared this message before in this way, maybe a lot of people would have been saved who were pushed out of the vision. A lot of people would have stayed. But, so, but let us rise up now. We are in this situation, in this dispensation of our time in the church. Let us rise up, ladies and gentlemen. Just begin to open your mouth right now, wherever you are, and begin to pick a person in the vision, an envoy, a steward, an attache, whoever, a senior envoy, commissioner, high commissioner, begin to make a basket of escape right now. And I trust by the grace of God that you'll be doing the same thing for me every day. Every day, I need your basket. I need your basket of escape, just like the church did for the men of God, Paul, in Damascus that day. And he, he continued to preach the gospel. Hallelujah, somebody. Let us just rise up as we conclude the service today. As we conclude, begin to just rise up and begin to pray for someone. Don't pray for yourself, please. Make a basket of escape, please. Begin to make a basket of escape right now for someone in the vision. Begin to make a basket of escape right now for someone. Rise up and begin to pray. Pray with me right now. Wherever you are, begin to mention someone in Heart. Don't release the name of me uh, publicly, but just pick a person, pick one person in the vision, pick one person, whether he is he or she is in the service today, pick that person and begin to pray because the enemy is after him or her. Mashikababa, why do you stand with me right now? Let us pray. Let us make baskets of escape for each other. The baskets can be in the form of prayer. The basket can be in the form of making a phone call just to encourage someone. The basket can be in the form of visiting someone physically wherever you can. Just go and see the person, encourage them. They are going through stuff that you have no idea of. But we are there as a church. We are there as a people to make baskets of escape for one another. Let us pray. Wherever someone needs financial support, if even if someone is trying to use that as a gate to destroy them, whatever support the person may need, that becomes your capacity to, to, to use a basket. The baskets can come in different forms, but all we are doing is let us stand together as one. We sing the song, my brother, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's where it applies. When you join hands together and sing that song, we are going to sing that song at the end. But after finishing praying, let us pray. Pray, 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 pray. Decide how you're going to how God is going to use you to make a basket for your brother, to make a basket for your sister, to make a basket for your for your spiritual father, to make a basket for your commissioner, for your board members, for the envoys, for the senior envoys, for the evangelists, the stewards, to make escape baskets for everyone in the vision so that we can all enjoy this vision. Mighty Father, I thank you, God, for this word. I thank you, Mighty Father, for your church us, oh Father, through the teachings, oh Father God, through the way you related with your servant Paul, through the way the church related with him, that they were aware of his faults. The haters continued to raise this matter. They thought it was enough to cause the church to move away from the man of God. But thank you, mighty Father, through these scriptures, we understand that did not happen. The world did not win at the time. He cannot win this time in the vision. Father, I pray in the mighty name of the 
Lord Yeshua Mashiach for each and every one of my children. God of Agape, by your grace and mercy, help me to make escape baskets for my beloved son, the commissioner. For my beloved daughters, Almighty Father, the board members. For my beloved sons, Almighty Father. Help me to make a basket of escape for my beloved children and boys. For my beloved daughters, the senior and my beloved children, senior and boys, wherever they may be. Lord, for my beloved children, attaches and stewards. Help me, O oh Father, God, to make baskets of escape for your children. That none of them, none of them of God, that the enemy will not succeed in killing any of them. In the mighty name of the Lord Yeshua Mashiach. Lord, I thank you, mighty Father, as I bless your name for this day. In this basket ministry, oh Father, we stand for each other. We raise each other. We stand together as one. We pull together as one. Oh mighty Father, that's why you gave me the theme for this particular conference. Pulling together as one. Standing together as one. Father, we pull together. Don't pull each other down. We pull together. We pull each other up. Mighty Father, through this basket. In the mighty name of the Lord Yeshua Mashiach. Lord, I bless your holy name, O Father. We don't pull each other down. We pull each other up, O Mighty Father. We make a basket of escape so that whatever tricks the enemy may have on my brother and my sister, he shall not succeed, O Father. For God of Israel, you're going to use me to cause my brother to escape, to cause my sister to escape from this day. In the mighty name of the Lord, Yeshua, I thank you and I pray. God bless you, my beloved children. I'll stop here. I commend this message to the church, and I pray that the Holy Spirit, the Lord Agodet himself, will give you more revelation and more understanding, especially practical application of this message. That if we carry on like this from today, the church will be stronger while the enemy will be laughing. Enemy, but the Bible says, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, that wherever they were trying to pull down and destroy and kill the men of God, he says he works stronger, he became even stronger. Let us be the same thing. May God help you and guide you as you stand for me and you stand for the commission and stand for each other everywhere. In Agape, no matter where we are, in the UK, in Malawi, in Kenya, in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, wherever we have hashtag the real Agape. Let the God of Israel stand with us as we go in Zambia, in much of Africa, in the UK, in China, in, in, in the USA, wherever we have Agape. Let the God of Agape, let this message be real and may he guide us so that we can stand for each other as his people. Learning from the church that Paul, the man of God, was leading. God bless you. I love you all so much. And I appreciate you so much more than you know. I can never thank God enough for each and every one of you. Because every day, by the grace of God, I mention each and every one of you in prayer. Because you, every day in your many different ways, you also hold, you also make a basket of escape for me. I know that and I appreciate that. Let us continue to do that for each other every day. And we are hashtag the real agape. <laughs>